Today's guest changed my business. Welcome to this week's episode of Rocky Mountain Marketing. I'm Katie Brinkley, and you're listening to the premier podcast for business owners ready to elevate their influence and impact in the industry. Have you ever wondered how digital marketing can revolutionize your business? With two decades of experience empowering business leaders, consultants, and coaches, I understand the transformative power of digital marketing. Today, we're not just discussing strategies, we're crafting your digital legacy. In each episode, we'll dissect the trends, strategies, and insights that are shaping the future of marketing. You'll walk away with actionable knowledge to thrust your business forward and stories of local enterprises making a global impact. Are you ready to turn insights into action? Let's jump into today's episode of Rocky Mountain Marketing and start shaping your legacy. Because selling is really hard, or at least it used to be for me. I felt bad about asking people for money. And I don't know, I do know now, at the time, I didn't know if it's because I started my business as a trade. So most of the time when I was helping bands with their MySpace pages, I was getting free concert tickets. And then I was helping the coffee shop with their Facebook page and I was getting free coffee. I was always on this trade for my social media knowledge. So when I started my business, my social media agency, asking people for money felt really bad. I, I felt awkward. I felt uncomfortable. And then I had the opportunity to work with the amazing Alicia Barr. And she is a woman that really is in a male-dominated industry that is calling out the common lies perpetuated in sales. Like I said, I feel like when I was trying to get my business, get people to do business with me, I was struggling to ask them for money and it felt weird. I didn't feel like I was good at sales. And that's one of the things that Alicia really teaches on. She teaches about, you know, there's no, no such thing as one size fits all, especially with something as dynamic and unpredictable as sales. So Alicia, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Once again, this is the second time you've been on Rocky Mountain Marketing, and you always have such great insights to share when it comes to selling. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Katie. I'm so excited to be here and honored to be asked back a second time. Seriously. And I, like I said, anytime I go anywhere in in person, anytime I'm, I'm not in person and people ask about sales, you are the first person that comes to mind for me because I had the opportunity to, one, watch you from afar. I learned from you. I, I saw you speak at an event. I watched you from afar and how you show up on social media. And then I was, it was so funny because I reached out to you and I said, so tell me about how how I work with you. And then we set up a sales call and I was like, well, this is going to be this, the stupidest sales call ever. She's a sales coach. Of course, I'm going to end up buying from her. But that, that's one of the things is you, you have such a great way of showing up and presenting what it is that you do that makes you different, both when you speak, but also online. And I think that that's why it's, it was such a, a seamless way for us to do business together. We're, we're really in alignment with being authentic on social media. So before we dive into that, I know you've, like I said, we've talked before on Rocky Mountain Marketing. Mm -hmm. You've come from advertising and marketing for Rocky Mountain News and, and the Denver Post. So if people want to hear about your backstory, please go listen to the first episode with Alicia. But today I really want to get into a lot of the nitty gritty of being a better salesperson and, and making sure that those social media efforts, that online presence 
translates so that you can have those easy sales conversations when you hop on a Zoom or when you pick up the phone. Yeah, absolutely. And the reason that we got on a call, Katie, is I wanted to find out if we were a fit. I knew that I had heard you speak before and I had seen your content too, and you seemed really cool, but I wasn't sure what was going on under the hood. So I got to <laughs> make sure before I can tell you, I'm definitely going to be able to help you with your sales. Like what's the situation? And that applies to my whole philosophy is if it's a fit, it's a fact and there's no selling involved. It's a great little, it's such a great little trait. I hope you have that trademarked or that tagline trademark because it's wonderful. And it's, this is exactly it, Alicia. If it's a fit, it's not going to feel like you're having to be salesy. Right. It's just, okay, this is this, these are the expectations you have. This is the situation you're dealing with. This is what you've tried before. I can see why it didn't work. So I know exactly what to do to get you the result. So it's a fit. And we also really get along. So, <laughs> you know, it, it makes it easy to move forward at that point. And there's not really any convincing that you have to do, especially if you're able to tell somebody, if this was your situation, then I could not get you a result. And, and this is one of the things too, Alicia, that I think, you know, going with your, your tagline, it makes it so that you're not feeling like you're selling to the wrong prospect. You, you're almost vetting the prospect as much as they're vetting you. Exactly. And it, it really helps to take the pressure off of the person who's selling. And honestly, the buyer too, because you're letting him know, Hey, I don't work for everybody. I don't work with everybody. And they can self-identify if they are one of those people that does not make sense. Mm -hmm. And you can point them to another resource and they really appreciate that kind of transparency. Like I was having a call the other day and the woman was like, yeah, I'm also talked to a business advisor. And I'm like, Oh, what do you need help with some other things besides sales? Cause I don't really help with other things besides sales. If you're looking for something, I'm not going to help with your processes. I'm not going to help with social media <laughs> or yeah, you know, I can't help with some marketing stuff because I had an agency, but I'm definitely not going to do it for you. And you could see that it just gave her clarity as I was mentioning the things that I don't do. And that's just so rarely what people discuss on, on a sales call. Yeah. And, and so let's, let's talk a little bit more about how you do the whole pre-screening process, because before we dive into the actual becoming good at sales, let's talk about how we find the right fit for our sales calls because really time is so important. Time is so valuable. And if we're wasting our time, it's not mutually beneficial, then we've wasted two people's time. So let's talk a little bit about making sure that we are a fit. Yeah, absolutely. When anybody wants to take time on your calendar, I really recommend having some questions that allow you and the person you're talking to to know that this is going to be a good use of your time. And if they don't want to fill out form, which people get upset about, oh, but what if nobody fills it? It takes five minutes. So if they are not going to take five minutes and fill out that form, they're not your client. Do you want a client who can't take five minutes and fill something out for you that's going to make your conversation better? So it's really a sign of, yeah, that person was going to waste your time <laughs> if you were going to have a call with them. And in the questions that you ask, you really can sell yourself at the same time that you're understanding more about somebody's situations. For example, for Katie, in the beginning, she might want to make sure that somebody has accounts, like she's not going to start them from scratch. So she might be asking, you know, do you have accounts and link them here? If you don't, 
put, I don't have accounts. And then she can reach out and say, okay, you're at a point where I can't really help you yet. I have somebody who helps people create accounts from scratch that I really recommend. Here they are. And she can avoid that whole conversation. At the same time, she can have something on there that says, what are you looking for help with? And she can explain all the ways she can help getting leads with only an hour a week, responding to comments so that I grow my audience every week, week over week, being more streamlined so that I spend less time on social media, bringing on a VA who can do this social media for me. And this person's going through seeing all this stuff Katie can help them with. Damn, I'm excited for this conversation if it's the right fit. So when you have the right fit, I guess, pre-qualification form for people to fill out is definitely the first step. And that was something that I was missing with my business was really pre-qualifying people. I wasn't even really, I didn't even have a way to check their socials that they had, or I had an option for people to put their social in, but 90% weren't doing it. And it was just because of the way that I had the form set up. So I, I think that there really is something to say to pre-screening the people that you give up your time to. And Alicia, before we dive into what to say on a sales call, I do want to just bring up Alex Hermosi. Yeah. Because, <laughs> because you had a post on LinkedIn that went a little bit viral because of your opinions. And it's two different ways of selling. So just talk to us a little bit about that and why you differ a little bit from somebody who's extremely popular in the space. There's a lot of people who are huge fans of Alex Ramosi. They are really drinking <laughs> that Kool-Aid. He has good stuff to say. He's, he's obviously a very, very good marketer. And that's what's so dangerous about it, right? A lot of times there's really good marketers who don't have great content and have a gaslighty vibe or a shaming or judging vibe, which the thing that I posted about was him saying, contact five strangers a day. If they say no, you met five new people. And if they say yes, then you got clients. There's no downside. And this advice is really popular in the sales space is to just cold outreach to people. And there's a huge downside. The downside is my energy and me getting discouraged because if you're not being intentional about the way that you're targeting, then you're going to get a lot of people who don't want what you offer. And you might think, oh, it's me. Oh, it's my prices. It's what I'm offering. And there's also just the soul sucking nature of it. If you enjoy it, then that's one thing, but that is the minority of people. And there are so many other ways to do business. And if you were to reach out to five strangers every day and just annoy the shit out of them by cold pitching them or whatever, that's going to get around that not great for your reputation. If you're a service provider who has less than 25 clients that you need, there is no reason to go at a mass numbers approach. There's somebody who's going for high volume and there's somebody who's going for high quality and high paying. High quality and high paying does not need a high volume approach and will actually hurt your business when you do have it because you're going to take any schmo who says yes in a random DM conversation and you're going to have a long-term client relationship with that person. It sounds like a nightmare strategy. Generally speaking, I have 10 sales commandments that are very different and it's sales is not a numbers game. It stops being a numbers game when you stop treating people like numbers. Hundreds of repetitions aren't needed to be good at sales. If your sales strategy isn't working from the beginning, you change it. There's no one size fits all sales. Also, you never need to be uncomfortable 
when you're selling. And if you're uncomfortable, then your prospect is probably uncomfortable too. You don't need to be charming or extroverted to be good at sales. You just need to be empathetic and curious. If you're awkward, just say so. Nobody wants generic bullshit. Just be like, you know what? Sales calls always make me feel awkward, but I want to find out if I can help you. And it's endearing. And it immediately takes the pressure off of the call. You also want to detach from the sale. The whole goal is not getting a yes. The goal is understanding if this person is a fit for you. And sometimes that means telling them they're not a fit. And they're going to be really glad that you did instead of selling them into your offer and them not getting a result, which that Hormozy idea is that you can help everyone. It's high volume. It's it, the only goal is a yes. The only criteria for a client is, do you have a working credit card? <laughs> and for people who have smaller businesses and, and relationships with their clients, that is a strategy to being miserable in your business. I love that so much because it's so in alignment with what you teach and what you help your clients with. Because it, it is true. I don't know. Now, I guess I know who's that behind the cold DMs because I can't stand them. It is getting really bad. It yeah. was just LinkedIn. Now it's on Instagram. I'm like, hey, I, I made you this short video. Do you need help with your short form videos? I'm like, obviously I don't. I have a social media agency. If I wanted more, I could make more. But that's just right. where you're not doing any research on who you're outreach. It is a waste of time. You know very well. It, for me, my energy it is very fluctuates. And so it all it takes is one little snowflake to completely have an avalanche fall. And that's where if I were consistently doing this sort of approach, I would, I probably still wouldn't have a business if I did that approach because I would be just so discouraged if people said, if that many people said no and second guessing what I did. So I think that you have to understand what works best for you your business, the way that you accept criticism or or want to do this, this outreach. But I know that for me, I'd much rather have 15 clients who have been, some have been with us for six years, almost seven years. And these are the clients that were, okay, now I'm going to scale and have another client. And I've had clients for years and years. And I've scaled at a, a pace that I feel comfortable with instead of just being like, Anyone that wants social media, come on in yeah. because it we can't do it for everybody. And that's one of the things that does make our business different. As Rich Brooks calls it your remarkability factor, what it is that makes you different. And Alicia, I hope you realize that with your 10 commandments, you have at least 10 months worth of content that you could build out off of those 10 commandments. So just, just keep that in mind if you're struggling on what to post on social. <laughs> I'm actually thinking about recording a rap of them. I don't know if you grew up with Notorious B.I.G. Yeah. Did you know his song? Biggie, 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 can't you see? Sometimes your words yeah. just hypnotize me. But did you ever hear his Tin Crack Commandments? <laughs> no, I don't think so. It was a, it was a big song. It was a big oh. song. Anyway, it inspired the Tin Sales Commandments. <laughs> All right. It was I how, love it. It was about business. It was about business. I know it's controversial that it was also crack. It's a crack business, a legal one, but a business still at the end of the day. And anyway, my sales commandments were kind of like, so I was thinking about doing a parody of the song, but I don't know if enough people like know the song. So I might just make up my own 
song for it. I have lots of ideas for content with the commandments is where I'm going with that. And then I also <laughs> want to make a point because I know that somebody's listening and thinking you need to be resilient against the no. You shouldn't be discouraged by the no. And that's like the whole idea is get as many no's as possible so that you're immune to the no or whatever. But you can build resilience lots of ways. And that is not the only way to build resilience. That's my least favorite way to go and play a game that I didn't even have a chance of winning because I'm like messaging people that weren't ever going to say yes. Yeah. So for anybody listening, yes, it builds resilience at what cost? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so Alicia, I think that that's a great segue into if you're selling with just hope, you're never going to make those sales. I mean, because whether it's in the DMs or actually when you hop on a sales call, if you're selling, which is, I hope I get this, you're never going to oh, make those sales. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You should be intentional, strategic, and excited about it. The only question I have for anybody is if I can sell, do you think this is a good offer? I'm like, do you get your clients' results? And if the answer is yes, then yeah, you need to be able to communicate it to a prospect. And that's the issue that most people are having. So when we come from that fit frame, it makes that explanation of how they help somebody get results a little easier for them. They naturally can do it because they're like, this is when I can get results for a client, you know, Mm -hmm. is when they have these things in place. You really just need to get to focusing on the results is the way to sell anything rather than I give you this many posts or this many videos or you know, this many hours. And then they're comparing mm-hmm. you to somebody else who has more videos or more posts or more hours. And it, it's not about the quantity of yeah. stuff. It's about the result of the stuff. I think that when you have the right, the right mindset, you've already pre-screened somebody, you know what you have is going to solve their problem. It makes it a lot easier to sell a lot of people might think this is a little surprising, but I, I think that the term, the correct term is ambivert. I, I love going out like I can network hard, but I definitely need my downtime at conferences, at events. I'm very happy working by myself in my office here. And when Nikki, when she comes in, she works in the office down the hall. Like I like my alone time. And I think that introverts sometimes feel like, oh gosh, I'm not any good at sales. But you I mean, you definitely allowed me to step out of my shell to help me be successful with my sales. So what do you think is one of the, the things that introverts actually have in their, for their advantage when it comes to selling? Yeah. For a while, I focused on just introverts because they are like the secret goats of sales. Any, anytime you don't seem like a salesperson, it's better. Who are you going to trust? Somebody that you're talking to that seems like they've been doing sales their whole life and came out of the womb selling and is like super smooth and charming? Or are you going to trust somebody that seems like you? You'd rather buy from someone who seems like you. So an introvert just by nature is a pattern interrupt. And instantly people trust them a bit more because they just don't seem like a salesperson. So there's all these introverts trying to pretend that they're like extroverted and it's so draining to put on that mask Mm -hmm. and ask a bunch of questions and have a bunch of small talk. That's not anything that you care about. And it's going to result in no sales because you're something feels inauthentic to the Mm -hmm. person who's buying from you. It just doesn't feel 
because you're hating it. You're hating every moment that you have to pretend you're high energy or that you care about like their dog or whatever. Small talk. I do care about your dog. I really like dogs. But a lot of times it's like, well, how's the weather? Like I have to give a shit about how the weather is where you are. I hate, I loathe that question for small mm -hmm. talk. Don't feel like you have to ask it. You can ask any question. You could be like, you know what? I just got done eating a turkey sandwich. What did you have for lunch? I think that's interesting. Honestly, what people <laughs> eat for lunch is so interesting. <laughs> it, it is. Just in case anyone's interested, I've been trying to meal plan more. So I had half of a grilled chicken, some corn and some sweet potatoes, roasted sweet potatoes. So getting delicious. I'm, I'm trying to get better because I love DoorDash. DoorDash, if you're listening, we do have availability for sponsors of the podcast. But, and, and I think that, that too, I know, yeah, work the trade. <laughs> yeah. This too, I do think, Alicia, when you, okay, so we've talked about how it's important for one, being a good listener, the pattern interrupt of an introvert, knowing what it is, that, it solves someone's problem. So I think that you have to know what it is that really makes you different and how you can help somebody. Because if you're just trying to say, oh, yeah, I can do that, then it, you're not going to be able to stand out. And it's going to be probably a little bit harder for people to say yes on the call mm -hmm. of doing business with you, doing that pre-screening of ensuring that this is the right person. It's, it's, it's a fit because it's a fact. There's no selling involved. <laughs> and then also not going down the, the bro marketing path of just cold DMing a bunch of people and, and hoping that one says yes. If we've done all this, it's finally come time for the sales call. How long do you think that we should be spending on these sales calls? Should we allow 30 minutes on our calendar, 45, an hour? Should we get what is a good amount of time to try and to make sure that our time is maximized and our prospective client's time is maximized as well? That is such a great question. So it really depends. Definitely no longer than an hour. The only reason it needs to go longer, I think you could get it to 30 minutes the only reason it goes over 30 minutes is usually because you're having to do some form of education at the same time that you're selling. And it just takes extra time to do that. And it's a lot to ask out of one conversation for somebody to become educated and then understand why you're a better choice than someone else. So a lot of times I will recommend to send out something before the call, like a video that kind of gives them the education they need to know before talking to you. So I'll send out now, my command, this is how I'm different because I was spending so much time explaining what is different about me mm -hmm. that I couldn't talk about the person's situation and how I could help them. So Katie could send out, look, this is how we work. We need a minimum of three months, you know, to dial in something and do some trial and error and figure out what works. And we're not going to recommend overposting. We're going to recommend underposting. And we have a very strategic way that we do that, that we've proven over whatever amount of time. Now Katie doesn't have to sit there and say all this crap on a call, which yeah. takes up a lot of time. So if you're trying to make them shorter, I would definitely send out things ahead of time that are going to help with that. And it's also going to make it easier for the person to say yes in that moment, instead of processing all the stuff you just told them. And then also saying yes. Now, one thing I think I've been seeing more of lately and I haven't even talked to you about this at all. So I'm, I am really excited to hear what your insights are on this is paid sales calls. So if yeah. I wanted to get on your books to potentially work with you, I have to pay. Huh. 
I have a call that is a, a deep dive that's an hour and it's $97, but I'm giving a lot of strategy on that call. This is just to get on their books of being like, hey, you want to, so you want to work with Alicia Barr for, for sales coaching. Uh, it's $50 for the sales call for her to sit down and see if you're a fit. That's one way to decrease <laughs> no-shows because nobody's going to do that and not show. I would only do that if you have way too many calls happening on your calendar and you have way too many clients. Then I would say you got to filter some of them out. Yeah. And that's a great way to do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that it's something that I've seen kind of start popping up more towards the end of 2023. I started seeing it pop up. And I was like, the only way for me to do my podcast booking with you is if I pay to talk to you. And they're like, oh, whoops, sorry, that's the wrong link. And I'm like, hmm, that's really interesting that you're doing that at all. But anyways, I, I'm, I was curious on your thoughts on that. That was a, a new you know, strategy that we hadn't even seen really come out yet. But yeah. You would only do that if you were like, whoa, I need a way to filter out all the people that are wasting my time. Yeah. Alicia, this has been such an awesome conversation. I do want to just wrap up uh, a little bit here with hopefully people have gotten some insights into making sure that their time is well spent on growing their business and getting the right people in because so much is done, I feel, in the pre-call phase. And then when you're on it, when you know that it, you have the right question, they filled out the pre-questionnaire, you're showing what it is that makes you different and how you can specifically give them the outcome that they desire, you're not going to have to be feeling terrible at sales. I know that was one of the things that really helped me is with my sales calls. So any final advice that you would give to people? What do you think the biggest mistake that you see people making that are, that's costing them their sales? So for done for you service providers, hundred percent, not talking about budget. So in the call that they're having the discovery call, they feel weird talking about budget or they might ask and the prospect will be like, Oh, we don't really have a budget. Just whatever, send it over. And this comes because out of the fact that prospects are so worried they're going to give you your budget, their budget, and you would have maybe been less expensive than their whole budget. That's what their concern is. And the truth is, usually you come back with something and they say, oh, well, that's too expensive. And you're like, why didn't you tell me your freaking budget? So I like wasted all my time and they've just discarded you because you're too expensive. So what you can do is say, generally for three social media accounts that we're posting on three times a week, it's going to range from this to this. Is that realistic yeah. for you? Yeah. Before you put anything together and you will get somebody saying, oh, oh, no. Or yes, and then you can discuss what to take out if it's too expensive. Okay, maybe we just focus on one account for now. Is this more what you were had in mind? And really having that collaborative, transparent approach is going to make so many more sales. And I can't tell you how many people I see not asking budget and then also just sending proposal an email. Do not send proposal in an email. Have a proposal meeting about it. If you send it an email, you're going to expect that they remember your sales conversation as well as you do. They definitely don't. And you're going to expect them to understand why you're making the recommendations you're recommending. They definitely don't. They're going to have questions. And it's not really like you send those questions an email. 
it needs to be a conversation or at the minimum film a loom going through the proposal, explaining why you put this together. And then you get to see when they view it. I think that that's a really good reminder for me too, because I do a lot of done for you. And I also have the consulting and the audits that I offer. But I think that when you have the the transparent conversation about budget, for me, especially with social media, a lot of times you can go, you can absolutely go on Fiverr or Upwork and expect to spend $500 a month. Absolutely. You can expect that to be like a good social media budget, but you're not going to get $500 a month product when they're probably Mm -hmm. sending it out to a whole bunch of different clients. You know, it's the cold DM approach. So I think that you have to know what the budget is of the person you're speaking to and how, what their timeframe is. I can't tell you how many times, because I don't take a lot of new clients. So when I do sales calls, you know, it's okay. We're accepting one new client now. And if somebody, if I have a sales call and they're like, oh, we're not even looking at doing this until Q2, then so. I might not have space then. So you have to figure out what their time frame is too. Yes. This was something that we worked on. I remember specifically, Katie, yes. because <laughs> it happens a lot where you're like, okay, they say they'll let you know. And you're like, okay, bye. And then you're in this weird purgatory where you're like, are they going to answer me? Are they going to say that they're, when are they moving forward? So that, that is a really important thing to ask along with budget is what is your timeline for moving forward? So you don't have to have this weird anxiety about when to follow up and how often to follow up and da, 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 because you know what's going on and when they're making a decision and you can strategically plan your follow up within that. Exactly. Exactly. Alicia, you are one of my favorite people on the planet and not just because you changed my business with your fit or fact sales teaching and sales method, but you are just always so much fun to be around and you always make me laugh. So thank you so much for joining me on Rocky Mountain Marketing today. If people want to connect with you, they want to learn more about what you offer. You have a great podcast, so they should listen to your podcast Sales is not a dirty word. I'll let you talk about it. Yes. So if this sounds like something you're looking for that you think could feel aligned for you in your business, I would check out my podcast, Sales is Not a Dirty Word, and specifically the episode, How to Sell Like a Natural, it really lays out the approach and you can see if it's something that feels like it would resonate with you. Awesome. And you're very active on social media. You have a great Facebook group also titled Sales is Not a Dirty Word. So be sure to connect with Alicia, join her Facebook group. That's how I first got connected with her. You have so many great tips and strategies in that free Facebook group. So um, if you just want some free advice, be sure to join there, listen to the podcast. And if you're ready to change your business, absolutely give her a call because like I said, she changed mine. So thank you again, Alicia, for coming on the show today. It's always a pleasure sitting down with you. Thank you, Katie. I feel the same way. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Rocky Mountain Marketing. I hope you're leaving with valuable insights and the inspiration to lead your market. If you've enjoyed our time together and found today's podcast episode useful, I have a small favor to ask of you. Please hit that subscribe button to stay updated with the latest episodes. And if you know someone who could benefit from these episodes, maybe a fellow business leader or an aspiring entrepreneur, go ahead and share this episode with them. Let's spread the knowledge and grow together. Also, I'd love to hear from you and continue the conversation beyond the podcast. Visit me at katiebrinkley.com to connect, to find more resources, or just to share your journey. 
And be sure to pick up your copy of my new book, The Social Shift at katiebrinkley.com slash book. Thanks again for tuning in. I'm Katie Brinkley, and I can't wait to dive into more strategies and stories with you on the next episode of Rocky Mountain Marketing. Let's keep on taking your marketing to new heights.